Hello everyone, welcome to Mouth Off. This is the official podcast of heyyouguys.co.uk. First up, apologies, this is uh, the fourth podcast um, that we've done and there's been quite a bit of a delay since the last one. So we apologize for the sporadic nature of our podcasting schedule, but just to let you know, do keep checking back uh, to the site every single day. We update it all the time with all the best news and reviews and we should have some very exciting things coming up. Uh, let me just introduce my fellow podcasters. Um, we have Dave who's going to say hello. Hello there, everybody. Also joining us today on the podcast, we have James, who's uh, going to talk to us a little bit um, about the Red Dwarf premiere that he attended. Red Dwarf being back on TV for about I think it's nine years since the last one was uh, was on, so um, and it returned for uh, for Easter on the channel. Dave, Dave, you have your own channel, and it was on there. I'm on it. Yeah, exactly. Okay, we're going to go through a few uh, bits of news in a second. Um, just before we uh, before we do get into that, 2009 is shaping up to be a pretty good year. Uh, we've already seen some really really fantastic films, and there's some really good trailers that have just come out. Ones in particular that uh, that are coming up that we're interested in. Of course, the new Star Trek film uh, from J.J. Abrams. Um, there's also Dave's favourite Transformers 2. Um, yeah, exactly. Thank you for that. Uh, we have X-Men as well, the new X-Men film coming out, Wolverine. Terminator, we've got the Imaginarium, Dr. Parnassus. We've also got Inglorious Bastards out. So it's going to be a really, really exciting year, and we're going to be following every single moment uh, of it on the blog, so do keep checking back. If you do want to get in touch with us, you can always uh, contact us by email, which is mouthoff at heyyouguys.co.uk. Okay, so we're going to get into it now and talk about a bit of news. We're going to start off with the Red Dwarf premiere, which James attended. So James, can you tell us a bit about it? Oh yeah, sure. I happened to work for MSN. The MSN TV editor asked me if I wanted to go and attend the attend the premiere and interview the crew. And obviously, I jumped at the chance, being a huge Red Dwarf fan. And so me and my friend Andy, we um. We took, took the tube down to Mayfair and we got into one of the posh hotels. We set ourselves up with the camera and waited for everyone to turn up. Not, not a huge amount of stars, it's not a very star-studded thing, but we got to meet the, uh, the cast, that being Robert Llewellyn, Danny John Jules and Chris Barry. Craig Charles didn't turn up, he was doing a, a night shoot for Coronation Street. Also, Terry Pratchett. If anyone's a big fan of him, he Fantastic. turned up. And uh, oh, and Doug Naylor, the producer of the show, he was a he was a great guy, really really good to talk to. So we did our little interview, and then um, free booze, a bit of yeah. Well, the essentials were there then. <laughs> yeah. You so say you saw the director's cut of it. Yep, as it was. So I saw the director's cut, which after talking to to uh, Doug Naylor, he was quite he was quite sad actually that the fans had to see the show broken up into three episodes because he he was quite keen on it being seen all as one which is what the director's cut was so it's all three parts back to back and um and it's about 70 minutes of running time it's a it's kind of a short film which to be honest is the closest we're probably going to get to a to a red dwarf film because doug was saying that the reason they've been off for 10 years is because he's been trying to find money for the film but um no one's really serious about doing it so, why, um, why do you think that after, is? Is it just because there's not a big enough fan base or no one wants to fund it? Or I don't know, really. Go on, what, what I was going to say is think that you know, having a, a, a big film um, based on a relatively small BBC science fiction comedy programme is never going to win you know, that much audience, I don't think. They'd have to really sell it to as wide an audience as possible. I think people who are going to see it, you know, there's a relatively small proportion of the audience. Now, I don't know how you would change it and uh, maintain that audience. Do you know what I mean? It's it's pretty unlikely, I think. Yeah, I I agree. I mean, it it never really broke America, and you'd you'd really need it to 
have despite, a bit. Despite two pilots, have, 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 I don't know, Dave. I don't know if you're a big uh, big fan of it, but James, have you ever seen any of the pilots? Yeah, yeah, I see. I've seen one of the American pilots, and it was pretty awful, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, it really was. They were really trying to, you know, to to break America with it. But the main problem for me is, and I think I'm James. I don't know if you thought this when you were watching it, but character of Lister, if this is supposed to be a main character, it's really difficult to have an American being a kind of a loser. You know, there's no real um, comparison between, there's no real American Dave Lister, do you know what I mean? Yeah, well, I, well, he, that being kind of disgusting sort of, sort of thing, there's, yeah, I know, I know what you mean, but I mean, like with The Office, they, that's kind of the main characters of, is meant to be a bit insane, yeah. A bit insane, but yeah, I, I, I don't know. I think it's still got potential. I think the only problem now is it's so long that all the crew are kind of a bit, a bit old. <laughs> they they really were looking at. It, I have to say, I was quite shocked when I saw it. I mean, I, I was thinking about this before. We we deal with a lot of eighties stuff on the blog, obviously, and uh, I was having to remember back. I think Red Dwarf was late eighties. I think when it first started. So was it really that been, old? I didn't realize it yeah, been going that long. It's been like twenty years. I'm frankly surprised they even brought it back. But, you know, James, what did you actually think of it when you saw it? Well, I'd, you know, I'd, last year I'd had to sit through pretty much every series. So I, I was kind of quite fresh in my memory what, what they were like. And back then when I was sitting through them, I was, it wasn't as good as I remembered it. And when I was sitting through this, it was just as good as those. It still wasn't as polished or, or you know, as funny. <laughs> don't want to be more, but it wasn't as funny as some of the, the American shows that that we watch, or with really high production values and a big writing team. It was a very, it was just like the old stuff. It seems to me. I mean, it, it was a completely different setup. The way that it was three story arcs, and it was, I mean, one story, but you know, three shows, mm. and it was not filmed in front of a, a studio audience. There was no laughter track. That made a real difference. That made a real difference. They're kind of leaving pauses for people to laugh at, but yeah, they weren't getting anything back, and you could really tell the performances were really stilted because of it. Yeah, yeah, actually, there were bits like that, and you're thinking, well, the thing is, the thing is, when I was watching it, I was obviously in a, a cinema full of people, so there was a laughter track because people oh, were laughing. Okay, that's good. <laughs> but, that makes sense. But when I watched it on TV, it was like, yeah, these these kind of pauses here, you know. This it is was where... like it was like no one was laughing, and that's the worst thing, especially when you have a, a you know a, a program that started out as a comedy, um, you know, and, and the laughter track and the audience they were they they were really there because when when it started out twenty years ago, it was filmed in you know a bit of a dodgy studio, and you could really tell it wasn't a science fiction program; it was a comedy program. And I think I mean this is uh, debatable, but they really lost it halfway through i don't know which series it was they kind of got worse as, as it went on mm-hmm. but it stopped being a comedy program it was all about the science fiction and i think in taking nine years out i was just really really disappointed with the way that they brought it back because this is this is the kind of chance that so few shows get to you know to bring it back it's not on the bbc anymore it's on a totally new channel they had a relatively small budget but still that doesn't explain you know they can spend it all on the CG graphics and then you know not not really worry about the uh, the script so much. You know, because today, there was um, go on. Sorry, today on the BBC well, just... website they they said that Dave got record this is highest ever viewing figures for any program. And J- uh, James, did you say it got two million viewers? Yeah, that's what I heard. The first one got two million. I've I've got some figures up here and it's yeah they're saying two million plus for the nine nine thirty showing the first one. But I, what about I, the next days? I, I wonder if, if if that first showing got enough people to to come back for the next two nights. I'm pretty sure it dropped off quite steeply, but 
but two million for a multi-channel TV show is um is, is like unheard of. I mean, you mm. wouldn't. It's amazing. But you know, you're talking about the budget and it all being splashed on the CG. I wouldn't. They had six hundred thousand pounds to do three TV shows. Sure. From scratch, I mean, the, the, the sets had to be built for all of them. If there were any sets, yeah, there were not not many, but a lot of it was green screen, wasn't it? Which kind of you would really tell. I mean, uh, do you remember the shot of the uh, the water tank? Like, yes. So a huge cavernous um, cargo hold. Mm. Well, D- D- Doug was saying that was the cargo hold that he'd imagined back in 1985. That was really? exactly okay. how he'd imagined it. He'd never been able to to have it before, but in this show, he managed to get exactly what he wanted which is okay. you've really got a sense of how big he had intended mm. red dwarf the ship to be which I you kind of get that from the the models at the beginning of the show with the tiny little guy painting it but that really kind of sold me what his yeah. idea of what the ship was meant to be like and that was actually really nice to see because when 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 i saw it when i saw the first episode i got these kind of feelings that it, it's good to get back on again because they the, the you know the performers they know the characters so well and um, they don't have to worry about any of the um you know chemistry because they are just so good together yeah. my pro- and my 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 main concern with it was that they'd spent 9 years or Doug Naylor had spent 9 years trying to get the money together for a film if this was a red dwarf film i'd be really disappointed because it seemed to me that they they might have got this 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 massive cavern and, and this whole notion of um you know dimension jumps and everything but really this is the last hurrah for this for this crew and for this tv show and they, there was absolutely no sense. There was no sense of joy about being back. There was no sense of wrapping things up. The whole, no, you know, Kachansky being, you know, like Sean Young and Blade Runner and everything, having that weird cameo at the end of it. I mean, the whole thing was a bit of a mess, and it was a real shame because they had, over the you know, 20 years it's been on, they've had so many, um, you know, moments with these characters, and their, their journey was to get back to Earth. All of a sudden, they were back at Earth, and they were standing in some shopping centre talking about, you know, seeing themselves on TV and everything. And it just, it just didn't work. It was a real shame. There was a real opportunity to say, "Thanks very much. We've really had a good time. We're going to go with a bang, tons of laughs." And there was, you know, there was nothing there really. There was, there was no connection, which I thought was a real, a real shame. Well, the uh, I've read in some places that people were saying that this isn't a film. This is, you shouldn't see it as a film. Perhaps you should you should see it as a um, I think it's a it's it's kind of like a an homage to the Back to Reality episode. I think that's what it's called. Yeah, so it, that was that was one of the best episodes, and really, they it was just a complete copy of it. Well, that was it. I did feel that it did have that kind of feel of oh, a bit Dallas like. So at the end, oh, I was dreaming, I was in the shower. That kind yeah. of cop out <laughs> yeah, but, but that works really really well in back to reality i mean i'm turning into a bit of a red dwarf geek here because clearly i've got really big love for the for the the earlier series especially because they could combine the science fiction concepts with the comedy really really well and back to reality is one of the best ever episodes that was you know it was fantastic and yet what they did here was just take that and then right at the end of it it was like bobby ewing stepping out of the shower and saying you know it's all a dream and we're still here and nothing's really changed. And my only concern is that I wonder if they thought, let's do like a th- these three episodes, and if they're really good, then we'll get another series. I, I wouldn't be. I don't think that was the aim, but I wouldn't be surprised if they were hoping for that. I think. Um, I don't see why it makes no sense. Take t- t- take nine years off and come up with that. You know. It's, well, they didn't. They didn't approach really Dave. I'm pretty that. sure Dave approached them about it, and they said, "Really? 
can we can you do this and they obviously said yeah and i didn't have much time to do it doug said that he started writing it in november and um and they filmed it over uh how long was it two weeks i think seriously and, yeah, and then they had four weeks of post, and I've I've been talking to the um, the sound the dubbing mixer for the show, and he's saying that he had eighteen days to do the sound mix, That's and that crazy. Was, yeah, and they hadn't they he was still mixing it on Monday, oh man, um, and the Tuesday, and I saw it on the Wednesday, and it went out on Friday. Yeah, yeah. okay, <laughs> so that's it, insane. So they didn't have an awful lot of time to play with, but I to be honest, it's a British show. And you've got to compare that to other British shows. I mean, you've got, the, I suppose the closest competitor would be a Doctor Who episode. And, well, I'm not really a big Doctor Who fan, but was it any different to a, a Doctor yeah. Who episode? I don't know Doctor Who very well. And I do know that there was also an Easter episode that apparently bombed really badly here. Um, but the production values are different. And the quality of writing, I think, is really different as well. The weight of expectation on, on, on the people who would have turned up to watch Red Dwarf, I think, was in some ways too much. And it didn't walk the line between, you know, the homage to the, to, to, to the series and to the influences and also at the same time having a new story. It just it didn't know where to sit. It didn't know where to place itself. It's a real shame because there was so much they could have done. And I think at the end of it, it was just a bit of a, a, a bit of a shame, really. Uh, I think it's a, I think it's a shame that you didn't enjoy it. I did enjoy it. Maybe it was the circumstances that I was in. I was in a, a prime <laughs> red dwarf mode, I guess. When with I was the cast when I was, in, in the back I, row. <laughs> sorry, with with the cast sitting behind you in the row. Yeah, with the cast. <laughs> this is crap. <laughs> Turn it off. I, 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 <laughs> um, I have to say, me coming into this, I also think that I'm, I was a bit too much of a fan of the earlier stuff. I didn't like the last two series, so there was a good chance I wasn't going to like this as well. You know, so maybe it's it's me coming into it. I'm glad to hear you liked it though. Yeah, yeah, I, uh, I, I, I agree with you. The last two series, actually, it's it, it, when they got everyone back, it, it did seem a bit. It didn't have anything going for it. It was really nice yeah. the, the situation that they were in, just guys floating around space, having their little space adventures. It was, it was. Yeah. That's what it should be. It kind of felt, it kind of felt like a radio show in a way that it was so small, and it was just kind of you know cozy and cute and then it kind I, of... I, yeah i had to say you're right also, also you know the the main the, the main journey if you like is the fact that you've got the last person on you know the last person ever the last man ever and he's just trying to get home do you know what i mean and that was quite sweet and that was quite a nice notion and i think that's when they when they brought back the cast when they started to talk about wormholes and dimensions and stuff you bring back you know the rest of the world he's home and he's not happy and it's just it loses it, but um, I think that we're in danger of turning into a reputable podcast right now. Um, I wasn't going to say anything, but yeah, hey, maybe. Do you want to say anything, Dave? No, I, I wish I could. I, I know that the, the line "Everybody's dead, Dave," but and that chap that has H on his head. But other than that, uh, okay, I don't know I that much you, about you, Red Dwarf. Dave, you, you owe it to yourself to go back and at least don't worry about the first series so much. First series isn't that great. They're kind of just getting into it. Second series is pretty fantastic. Second up to about the sixth series. It's worth seeing. I mean, I'm sure that you know your own channel is going to start repeating it. So do do take a chance to check it out. It's good fun. Yeah, it was actually James's sister who used to walk around to me going, "Everybody's dead, Dave," and I had no idea what she was talking about. Um, That's just quality, <laughs> nice one. Okay. Well, thanks for t- thanks for telling us about it, James. I mean, I think it's um, you know I don't think it's going to happen again. So that was maybe their swan song. But I appreciate you talking about the premiere. Thanks for coming on, um, Dave. More news in the movie world. 
what have we news? got coming up? Well, just this evening, Inglorious Bastards, which is Quentin Tarantino's new film, um, it's not a trailer, and it's, it's, it's a clip, I guess. It was shown last night during the break for American Idol, and apparently uh, the, the clip they showed uh, during American Idol is a watered-down version of the clip that we've now got on the blog, so you can check it out at heyyouguys.co.uk. Basically, the, the film, from what I can gather, is about a team of freedom fighters basically killing as many Nazis as they possibly can through a, in the course of a two-hour film. And it's Quentin Tarantino, so it no doubt have lots of um, violence and lots of swearing. And uh, I read on one of the blogs, I think it was Cinematical, where they were basically saying that the, the people, the production team are going to struggle to make a trailer out of this film because it's going to have so much swearing and so much violence in it that they won't actually be able to show anything, um, which I thought was quite funny. Um, <laughs> nice. so, uh, so, yeah, this is probably going to be an 18 or R-rated if you're in America. Um, so you can, uh, but check out the clip on the blog. And um, it is good. Oh, we should see Mike Myers as well. And Mike Myers' character's in there um, in the clip. So um, yeah, he does look good, actually. <laughs> they look like they've made him up quite well. So I'm glad to hear. It. I haven't seen the new clip yet, but everything I've heard about it seems um, it does seem pretty good. I have to say, I'd like to see him do a Jane Austen or something. I think that'd be fantastic. Yeah. Quentin Tarantino does Pride and Prejudice. I think that would just be beautiful. I don't think it's going to happen, but you know, I think it'd be good to see him. Okay, that sounds great. That, uh, any any other news that we need to talk about? Um, right well, now? you where did you go this week, John? Didn't you go to a preview? Was it this week or was it last, well, last it was week? About a week ago, which leads us very nicely into the new releases for uh, for this week. Um, I love you, man. Is just a personal statement I like to give out, but um, which has Paul Rudd and Jason Segel in it. It's coming out. I think it's coming out this Friday. It's um, an Apatow uh, like comedy um, about Paul Rudd, who's this uh, who proposes to his to his girlfriend, realizes that he actually he has no male friends whatsoever so he hasn't got anyone to um to be his best man and he goes on a journey to find a man friend you know like uh, and it's uh, been called a bromance is that um, a term that's been around for ages in america or is it one that's literally just been invented for this film i think it's it's a relatively new thing i don't think it, it's basically the, the the 21st century equivalent of a buddy movie but because you have to make up words these days um they've called it a bromance uh, it doesn't really work necessarily well in in the uk because we don't really use the word bro that much so i called it a chumody because that's exactly <laughs> what it was and um uh it was it, it was it was a pretty good film i have to say it was um i didn't know what to expect going into it i don't know paul Rudd particularly well but one of our writers on the blog uh m she wrote a really good um uh article about paul rudd's top five performances and i think i'd seen maybe one of the films on there, so you know, I don't know what what uh, either of you think of Paul Rudd or have you has anyone seen Forgetting Sarah Marshall? That's got. I that's got a... He's normally like a. Uh, he's not normally a main character, is he? Well, he is a main character, but he's always the co-star. He's never the star of the film. And I read or, or uh, saw a clip somewhere of someone saying it was great to see him actually as a main character in a film for a change. But it's a difficult thing to to, to pull off because he is essentially playing a bit of a git. You know, when 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 he starts off, he's meant to be this lovely romantic guy who doesn't really know how to connect with 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 you know male friends, and he does it. And one of the best things about the film is the fact that he is so irritating. If you've ever had one of those people that you know who just isn't cool, isn't you know doesn't 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 quite get it, like social interactions, and everything, he is just tinged with awkwardness and embarrassment. And he tries to say these cool things, and he just sounds like an idiot. Um, is that's it a bit cool David Brentized? But without the, I don't know, David Brent, but without the kind of arrogance of that, he's not arrogant. He's kind of really trying, but he just can't quite get it. Do you know what I mean? And he and half of the film is him basically um, 
just you know trying to leave really you know cool answer phone messages and you know saying goodbye to people in a kind of a cool way and really misfiring and it works really well he's actually he actually plays it fantastically he does do air slap bass right which, i've seen this clip it does look good. oh it's terrifying i mean it's just terrifying and it, i mean i'm sure he isn't a gear in real life so he must play it really well Okay, so that, that's the film. You basically have Paul Rudd, Jason Segel. Um, they meet, they fall in man love, um, they do lots of manly things, um, they play a band, uh, like, sorry, they play musical instruments in Jason Segel's man cave, and it's, it's, quite, it's quite good in the way that they turn the conventions of the, of the, of the rom-com uh, on his head a little bit, and it gives them a little room to play about with you know, notions of, you know, of love and breakups and come back together again. The, um, the, the a couple of really good characters. John Favreau's amazing. He is just the funniest, funniest person. He's obviously the director of Iron Man. He's obviously taken some time out from doing Iron Man two to come star in this, uh, in uh, in this film, and he just steals it. He's just so fantastic. Um, there are a couple of really disgusting moments um, during a drinking game, which I'm not going to spoil for you, but it's it's pretty fantastic. And of course, there's a wedding at the end. Uh, it's good to see the Incredible Hulk come back. And um, yeah, it's basically a bit of a mishmash of uh, oddities, but it's all based around this really, really funny story about these two men who meet and, uh, and pretty much fall in love, which is nice. That is nice. Yeah, I've seen I, I've seen lots of cl- like clips and I've seen a few reviews and people do seem to love it. I mean, I'm looking at IMDb now. It's got uh, out of ni- nearly nine thousand votes, it's got seven point nine out of ten. So you can't. That, I mean, that's pretty good. It is a pretty good. It's a pretty good like Friday night movie, as I said in my review. It is the kind of film that you can sort of sit back and just and just enjoy. I didn't know what I was gonna um, ha- you know get when I was, uh, was 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 sitting in the film, but um, I did laugh a lot, and uh, and that's the best you know you can say about comedy. So um, yeah, it was pretty good. So that's new out this week. So do go do go and check it out. Friday night, particularly good time to go and see it. Okay, so that's I Love You, Man. It's, it's in the cinemas uh, this Friday. Do go and see it. It's, uh, it's pretty fantastic and pretty funny. Um, our next review is a film that's not new, but it's new to us, so it may be new to you as well. Um, Dave, you saw The Boy in the Striped Pyjamas, I believe. I did. I saw it this week on DVD, and it, I, I thought it was a brilliant film. It's a film about a little boy, a German little boy, whose uh, father's a commandant in the Second World War for one of the J- Jewish extermination camps. And... Um, it wasn't just your you know your normal holocaust film that you that you'd see it was it felt like it was specifically aimed at children it's based on a novel of the same name um and the, the story sort of um, takes shape when the the boy goes off he he think he sees this what he thinks is a farm in the distance and he can't understand why this farm's there and why none of the people are ever out in the town so he goes one day he sort of uh, as little boys do he escapes and he goes and has a little wander and he comes across this big fence and he sees the other side of this um this boy um in what he thinks are striped pajamas which actually are the uh, prison camp um uh, clothes i guess with and it's got a number on he assumes the number just is because they're playing a game and uh he he thinks that they're having a lot of fun in there because and he wants to go and play with the child uh, and it's basically about this um this relationship between the the German boy on one side of the fence and the Jewish boy the other side of the fence and um, it's it's a powerful film um, you're going to need some tissues for it if you do watch it but um, I gave it eight out of ten and I'd, I'd, it's sort of film that I'd watch again and I think I'd get different things out of it than I did the first time uh, the one thing that I wasn't so sure of was that the whole film it's a British film it's a British book um, so the whole film was in English. Um, and I'm sure that the production team would have discussed whether or not to do the film in English or German. 
in, for whatever reasons they chose it for it to be English um, and I wasn't sure if that let it down if it could have been a better film if it had been in German um, I mean I, films like Black Book or Downfall I couldn't imagine being in English it just wouldn't work um, but this was in English and it, it it was a good film so therefore it must have worked yeah so but it's, it's something we'll never know see I'm thinking we spoke about Valkyrie didn't we we did um, the uh, and we mentioned then that they they had obviously made the decision to not only keep it in in English but also keep the accents pretty much of the people who are doing it. So you have this weird international flavour to a film that's about you know German people and I, I I don't know for me I haven't seen the film so it clearly it worked and clearly the decision was made so that you would have as wide an audience as possible because there is this contingent of people who won't go and see a film with that if or you know if it's got subtitles which is you know crazy. Yeah, work. I used to be one of those people and it's only in the last sort of four or five years I've started watching subtitle films more and more i think life is beautiful is one of the best films i've ever seen and that's um that's subtitled see now i'm going to disappoint you i've never seen it oh john uh, which i james, know i know, I know. Listen, I, i've been, been busy what can i say it's uh, I'm, I'm crap james have you seen it yeah i've seen bit, bits of it and bits uh, of it what do you mean bits of it <laughs> well because i don't think i've seen the beginning but oh, i've seen man. i've definitely seen the end and um, <laughs> i'm sure the end is a good bit <laughs> Oh dear. Yeah. Well, I heard that the uh, the whole Vol- Valkyrie Tom Cruise accent thing was because he sounded ridiculous doing a German accent. Well, he said that the beginning of the film starts off in German and he's narrating, I think it's him, he's narrating over the top of his um, journal that he's writing. Um, and I, I didn't remember it sounding ridiculous, but it could be that he had some vocal coaching just for that, that sort of first two or three minutes of the film. Mm. Do you think that if they did it in... English with, with German accents because the thing is I'm thinking there are, there, are, there are three options here one you keep it in English they have their own accents two is they do it all in German and they just do it normally or three they do it in a German accent but then you run the risk of it all sound like hello hello don't you and then you really undercut any kind of seriousness I think so maybe doing it in English you know for whatever practical reasons didn't hurt the film you know yeah. no, is it, it wasn't just the f- the fact they spoke English, it, it, I mean, they, it was English, but it was proper, you know, they were talking a bit like this, and their accents were oh, very, very really? efficient. Yeah, no, it was proper, like, very polite Queen's English. It wasn't just, oh, mate. I think if it's consistent, <laughs> like, films, if they keep it consistent, it, it shouldn't matter. Yeah. It's when they, well, if they start mixing things, mixing, like, different accents, like a Northern or a London or American yeah, accent, true. then you really notice it. But everyone's, if everyone's talking the same, you shouldn't really notice, really, should you? Well, in, in Black Book, they I speak mostly in German, Dutch, and uh, because what they do is, when the Dutch person is speaking to the Dutch person, they speak in Dutch. When the Dutch person is speaking to a German person, because she's trying to be um, a spy, she's speaking German. And when she goes to speak to some English people, she speaks English. So it's, it's talking but to... But that's right for the story, isn't it? Because there is this notion of her playing roles... Yeah, you know, I don't know. All, all I'm thinking is, I, I I agree with you, James. My only concern is that if you have very posh English people in German SS uniforms, it can jar quite a lot. Just, just mm-hmm. do you know what I mean? Because you're not used to seeing people dressing up as Germans unless they're dressing up as Germans in in, in the uniforms. Yeah. Well, what, what was that film where they had the um, they had American accents for the Germans and. And British accents for the Russians, or the other way around. Did they do I that in um, uh, not U five seven one, the other one with Harrison Ford and uh, was it that one? Snipery kind of film. Is oh, it Enemy at the Enemy at the Gates Enemy... with? Um... They do that now. Yeah, maybe. I can't. Not. I don't remember that, but maybe they did because uh, it had Rachel I... Weisz in it, and she's English, isn't she? And 
uh, Jude Law was the sniper, wasn't it? And um, Ed Harris was the uh, the German. Yeah. Okay. So that would be the English people being Russian, if it was. Yeah. Oh well, pick that. <laughs> okay, <laughs> we'll we'll um, pick that one. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Absolutely. So, Dave, but you reckon you reckon it's good for me? You'd um, it's already on my love film list. Yeah. No. Well, you've got to watch it. it. It's one of those films that I will remember, and um, I will definitely recommend to anyone that asks me about it. Okay. Okay, well, that's that, that's grand. We're actually going to move on now to um, an, an, another film, which couldn't be um, more uh, more different in terms of what it, you know, in terms of what it is, in terms of storyline, in terms of setting and everything. But it, it is um, it's a subtitle film, and uh, if you have any worries or any concerns, or if you make the decision not to watch a film um, because it has subtitles, first of all, shame on you. I don't think you'd be listening to this uh, podcast if you're one of those people. But this is my plea to you all, right? You must, must, must see Let the Right One In, okay? It's a Swedish film that came out last year. It's been floating around um, festivals, and it was released in America a while ago. It's just come out here. It's um, a vampire story is, I guess, how you would tell people about it, Um, but it is incredibly intelligent, incredibly moving, Um, has one of the best looks um, of a film that I've seen in uh, in many many months and the uh, the set pieces uh, when they come because it's a very sedate sedately paced story the set pieces when they come are just outstanding um, it, Dave uh, James do you have you heard about the film do you know anything about it uh, I've only seen the posters for it and I don't know much about it no in your words <laughs> okay that's quite, that sounds good that's concise Dave what about you I haven't seen it I'd not, do you know what? Until we discussed this earlier, I hadn't even heard of it. See, this is my problem, and also I ha- this is something I didn't mention in my review. I specifically avoided mentioning it it's because there's already I don't know if it's talks or if they actually signed people up to do uh, an English language remake, um, which is ridiculous. It's just it's just crass. It's stupid. I'm sure it might. I'm sure it's it's going to be a good film simply because the story is so good, but. When you make a film in Swedish in 2008, why on earth would you want to remake it just in a different language? And, you know, they'll have to move it to America or whatever, and it'll just lose it all. So do, do yourself a favor. Don't wait for the for the American or English remake. Do go and see this. It's um, to briefly sort of talk about the story a little bit. It's about this boy who's um, lived, growing up in, this, in, in the suburbs of Stockholm. And it's, I didn't realize this, but the film is set in 1982. The only clue that you'll get to the fact that it's set in the 80s is the Rubik's Cube, which they, um, which the two main characters sort of use uh, to sort of start their relationship with. Um, the uh, the boy is 12 years old. He's um, a bit of a geek, a um, bit of an outsider, a bit of a loner. He lives with his mum on this housing estate, and he sees this the arrival of this this new person, this new girl. It looks like to the uh, to the neighbourhood, and eventually they meet. And it's all set at night when when they meet, and they're sort of you know it's incredibly cold. And yet she's not wearing, you know, a coat or anything, and they find it odd. And, and basically, their their um, relationship blossoms. Um, and we find out that later on she's a vampire. She is uh, responsible for the spate of murders that are happening in this very small town. It's worth. It's really worth seeing the film. Read my review on the on the site. I've never seen uh, a film take its time so well, uh, sort of immerse you in what's going on. The, the actual look of the film, like I said, is very, very, very dark shadows and very crisp snow. So obviously it's in Stockholm. It just, it just plays out so beautifully. And these 12-year-old actors, actresses, whatever, play their parts so perfectly. The relationship between them is so 
uh, it's childlike and practical, and that allows the, um, the very complex notions that are going on in the film of like, loneliness, of um, you know, of, of, of growing up, of you know, needs, um, and you know, standing up to bullies and everything. It just it just plays out so perfectly, um, and it will leave you hollow because you just you you've just gone through so much. Um, emotion in the film um, so please 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 see it you will love yourself forever if you see it uh, I, I can't recommend it hardly enough I'm just having a look on Wikipedia and it says that uh, the guy that directed Cloverfield Matt Reeves has, uh, yeah, yeah. he'd signed to, to do the English language film before this one had been released so because it's based on a book yes so um, yeah but the thing is and, and I'm, I'm sure that that's that's the case, and you know I wish them all the best of luck with it. Because there's also Hammer, I think, are involved. The English sort of horror studio Hammer, they're involved in bringing it to the screen. But it's already been brought to the screen, and it's been brought to the screen in such a way that it redefines what you'd expect from uh, you know a horror film. To call it a horror film is, you know, is really really sort of you know limiting it. Um, this is one of the best bits of cinema I've seen for so long. It's it's haunting, it's chilling, it's slightly slapstick and slightly silly in, in, in what it does but it never ever feels anything less than a complete joy to watch and it will stay with you and you can't ask more from a film than that okay so that's my recommendation probably for the year i have to say it's that good really um yeah I, i'm serious i mean it's, it's it's the kind of film i basically put it this way right i saw three films over the weekend one was day the earth still um on dvd and that was the worst film I think I've seen for a long time. Mm. The second one was Wanted, which um, was just insane balls out action with the most ridiculous stunts. But a and bit of good bending. fun though, wasn't it? It, it? it was good fun. Don't get me wrong. I, I thought it was just fun, but I forgot about it. I can't remember a thing about it. Um, apart from James McAvoy shooting someone in the head and then using his body as a shield. <laughs> that was ridiculous. But basically I forgot everything about it. Let the right one in. Couldn't be more different to, uh, to that. It, it wasn't, it wasn't, ponderous it didn't labor the point it just said here is a story of these people and it's just played out so beautifully um so yeah that's it i'm gonna shut up about it now because, yeah no i'm gonna know, i'm gonna stop it. you there and I, I you've mentioned wanted there's a film that's coming out very soon in fact i think it's out this friday which is very similar to wanted and it's called Requested. crank two high voltage yeah. <laughs> now dave are you mentioning this because there's particular 80s star who makes a rather bad mulleted appearance in this he does make a rather bad mulleted appearance however he is one of the best 80s actors one of the living legends that is do we know who who we're talking about james do you know who i'm talking about i've got a fair idea because you've got the agenda in front of you his name (laughs) is Corey haim everyone yay Corey haim returns returns to the big screen from the abyss yeah who knows where he was who cares he's back on the big screen um, so what you need to do, guys, is check okay, out. So tell, tell us what he's doing in this. Well, I was, was going to say is if you go to if you if you're not sure who Corey Haim is, he's basically you you're, you may have heard. If you're of not Corey... sure who Corey Haim is, stop listening. Yeah. <laughs> go back, re-educate yourself. Ignore John. Okay. Ignore John. I'm going to help you out here. There's two Coreys. There's Corey Feldman and Corey Haim. Now Corey, they were known back in the 80s as the two Coreys, and they did a show with that title. I think it was. Um, but they'd done a few films together. They did Lost Boys. Uh, they. Did uh, was it was Corey Feldman in that? I thought it was both of them. I don't think he is. I think it's just um, Haim. But there's, they did a few films together. When uh, Corey Feldman did Lost Boys Two, there was talk of will Corey Haim come in it and this, that, and the other. And now there's Lost Boys Three that's going to happen. Um, and there's you know there's discussions as to whether Haim's going to be in that one. Um, Corey Haim does make a little cameo appearance right at the end of uh, Lost Boys Two, but he wasn't really in it. So so no, this is good news. So. 
basically he's uh, in the clip you'll see uh, Jason Stratham's girlfriend in the in Crank her name is Eve basically uh, Corey Haim goes up to her and he's going to drop the hammer he's going to drop the hammer on her and if you're not sure what that means then you can check out the clip um, in the end she drops the hammer on him yes yeah, it's, it's a funny clip but he does have a serious mullet doesn't he John he does, and it's quite terrifying, I have to say. Maybe that's like a callback to the 80s. He's saying, yes, I know, I was in the 80s, but hey, I'm back, and so's my mullet. <laughs> so come and see us. So I'm actually really, really looking forward to it. One of the things that I like most about Lost Boys 2, anything I about Lost Boys 2, was the very ending bit, which, you know, spoilers if you haven't seen it, but go and see it, um, where Corey Haim turns up, and he's a vampire, and it really sets up, um, you know, if, if, if you're going to do anything with the Lost Boys, um, you know, uh, franchise, at least make the two of them fight each other and let that be the big battle mm, yeah, don't waste it there's an interview on Slash Film that you can check out that there's a link for, off our site to there um, where he does mention uh, Lost Boys 3 um, he also mentions a bit of License to Drive stuff as well which I love that film I've just checked um, Crank 2 High Voltage or Crank High Voltage is out tomorrow in the UK can so. I just say that when I was sitting uh, I was going to watch The Watchmen and Crank 2 the trailer for it came on and I thought it was a joke I didn't. I never heard of Crank the original, I and not. I thought it was like going to be, you know, don't drink and drive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is brilliant. That's brilliant. But it's so true. The first film is absolutely mental. The way it's directed and shot, it does look like one of those adverts, um, like where the, the guys get run over, or, or, or uh, you know, or you know, don't download illegal films, that sort of thing. Um, oh, brilliant! Quick direction. Okay. That, that's that one of the, the the highest compliment or the greatest insult I think yeah. you can pay to them. That's marvelous. Um, so yeah, Crank Two is out. Go and check Go and it out. It if you haven't seen the first one, it is a good watch. It's um. Is it in the style of Wanted then? Have you not seen it, John? Come on, of course I haven't seen it. Well, the, the storyline for Crank, it's the original, crank. is basically a guy, a guy who's Jason Stratham, um, plays a character who's uh, in with these gangsters, and they give him this um, poison, and he basically has to keep his adrenaline high, so he has to find all these different ways to uh, to do that, and. <laughs> some some of them you could never you imagine, couple, and some of them are yeah. very obvious. But um, I think the second one is something along the lines of the same thing. It says here, uh, Jason Statham's character faces a Chinese mobster who has stolen his nearly indestructible heart and replaced it with a battery-powered ticker that requires regular jolts of electricity to keep working. Obviously, you know, uh, the makings of a good film and how, how this hasn't been made earlier, I've no idea. <laughs> it's but, like um, speed, but with a person. Yeah, exactly. That's why I didn't believe it. That's, that's just silly. You okay, see the well, clips not... and they're just electrocuting themselves. It's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah the, the poster, <laughs> think... the main poster is Jason Stratham with a with a uh, electric car voltage thing strapped to his tongue whilst he's uh, getting ready for that. Okay, that's um, how. Cool. Okay, so yeah, so if you're interested, then I'd, I'd I'd say watch, go and watch that. If nothing else, then do go and see it for Corey Haim. Give the man some money. I think he uh, he probably could use it at the moment. Maybe just to get a haircut. And let's let's hope know. we see him in some more stuff as well because uh, yeah, Corey Haim is is a legend, and um, I think he was tied up a bit in drink and drugs and stuff, and that's why he's not been around a while, but. He's clean, and now he does a film about someone who needs to keep their adrenaline high all the time. Yeah, yeah that's a pretty good move. Okay. Dave, do you, is there anything else that you want to talk about today? I think we're the... done. I just wanted to say thanks to James for coming along and telling us all about the Red Dwarf um, premiere. Um, yeah, yeah. And hopefully we'll get you along again, James, sometime soon. And get to yeah. some more premieres, because they're all good. That'd be cool. <laughs> yeah, some, some premieres would be nice, wouldn't they, Dave? Yeah, yeah, yeah no premieres, yeah. Um, there's, there's none coming up, are there? Uh, that I can think. <laughs> you uh, never know. You may hear some good stuff about us pretty soon. But no, possibly. thanks, James. That's really good. Keep checking um, the blog on Monday, everybody, because there could be some exciting news. But you'll need to, uh, you need to watch, this, watch this space. 
Absolutely. Do follow us, uh, heyyouguys.co.uk. You can follow us on Twitter. We're at twitter.com slash heyyouguysblog. You can email us on mouthoff at heyyouguys.co.uk. So it's been an absolute pleasure. Um, I hope you've had a great, uh, hope you had a good time. Um, if you do have any, you know, questions or anything you want to talk to us about, either Twitter us or do send us an email. That would be fantastic. We're hoping to do another one of these pretty soon, but do keep checking the blog because there's always lots of good stuff on it. It just leaves me to say the following: You got the touch. You got the power.